It's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. And this is news that you can use for Wednesday, January 31st, from Courage with your hosts, me, dressed as a pumpkin ray, and my handsome son, Zach. How are you today, handsome? Happy hump day to everyone. I'm doing great, Dad. I want to remind everyone, today's show brought to you by us, our company, CarEdge.com, last day of our end of month promotions and want to remind everyone up here under about click on careers we are hiring for some of the best inside sales reps known to mankind so we're doing some hiring again just go to caredge.com slash careers to apply and today is the last day of our end of month promotion that's not the lead story dad the lead story comes from yes yeah the lead story comes from an interesting article in automotive news tied back to the national automobile dealers association the chairman of nada the incoming chairman gary gilchrist sat down with automotive news and talked about some of the challenges faced by auto dealers in the united states of america and there were a few things that really stood out to me in particular dad a big and uh, resounding pushback on the ftc's proposed rules to rein in car dealers i want to talk about why that makes sense, why it makes sense that dealers are fighting them. Before I do, though, what were your takeaways from reading that interview with the incoming NADA chairman? You know, I thought to myself as I read that, isn't it sad that the only way you can be selected as the incoming NADA chairman is is to um, not be willing to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for, thoughtful enough to try and figure out how to actually make the customer experience better. Now, you'll notice in the article that he mentions the customer experience is so very important, and yet when they have an opportunity to embrace uh, what the FTC is trying to do, which would, well, ultimately... At least in my opinion, and as I say, it's only my opinion and nothing more, but I, having spent 43 years in retail automotive, um, I don't believe that the, the rules and regulations um, that the FTC is trying to implement are as onerous as men, as, as dealers would like to the public to believe. Um, yeah. there, is, there is nothing wrong with being open, honest, and transparent with your customers when you are trying to sell them a, a well, the second most expensive purchase they're going to make in their lifetime. So it just seemed, my goodness, there, there's, there's nobody within that organization, NADA, there's, there apparently are, I, I guess the Earl Stewarts of the world are never going to be selected as the incoming chairperson of the NADA um, because yeah. in order to be elected, you have to hold on to the past. And the past is, um, you know, we, we love the way we do business and we don't really want to change. Let's talk about what the rules proposed. And then I want to break down with some real car deals, why the FTC's rules are so uh, being fought uh, so much mm-hmm. by car dealers. There's currently a stay in the Fifth Circuit Court in Texas on the FTC's rules, which are supposed to go into effect in July. We'll see if they actually do. Here's how the CARS, C-A-R-S, rules protect consumers and benefit honest car dealers. Number one, the rule prohibits deceptive information about pricing, financing, add-ons, and other material information. 
Dealers are required to disclose the offering price, the actual price anyone can pay for the car, excluding only government-required fees. Number three, it is illegal for car dealers to charge for add-ons that don't provide benefit to customers. And number four, dealers are now required to get consumers express informed consent before charging them for any amount. Dad, I want to pull up on the screen. It was uh, not that long ago, folks, that we were talking about um, over on CarEdge.com. You can buy many vehicles now directly on the website. Some of those vehicles are Mazdas. Mm -hmm. Here are the deals that we did in December. Here are the deals, guys. Let's look at it. Let's, let's, let's all be adults and let's look at it. You've got, where is it? Gross payable. Mm -hmm. Gross payable would be what a salesperson would actually get commissioned on a car deal. That is yes. less pack. That is less money that the dealer takes out of every deal. I'll let my dad explain that in just a second. Then you have front end gross, which on these vehicles on average, let me zoom out one so I have a little more room to work with on average, was $482. If you all remember, this dealer group that we are working with agreed to sell these vehicles at $500 below invoice price. So you must be asking yourself, how could they still make nearly $500 in front-end gross? This includes all the holdback, advertising assistance, floor plan, everything. You get rid of all that, they actually lost money on every single car, but it doesn't make sense to count things that way. So they still made money. And then you have the back end, Dad. The back end for a lot of these deals was zero. That means someone paid cash. Or if it was $250, $175, or $125, those are flats from Toyota Financial Services, who underwrites, underwrites Mazda. Dad, when you look at this data, yeah. these are not winner deals for the dealership. <laughs> like, let's be very clear. These are not winner deals. They're not making a bunch of money on these. Far from it. And... Does it not demonstrate exactly why the incoming NADA chairman is fighting these rules? Because these rules would make car deals look a lot more like the deals that Car Edge did for those customers in December. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you on that. Um, I, I, think, I don't think the rules would mean that because dealers have to be more transparent about what the asking price of things are, um, would necessarily equate to, well, the dealer's not going to make any profit. I don't think that's so. I, I think, I, in the perfect example of this, uh, and I can think of two dealers in Florida, of all places, that, that would be the perfect example of this. Earl Stewart Toyota, they are as transparent as transparent is, okay? And they make money. Okay. They they don't have they don't play all the add-on games. Yeah. They don't play the doc fee game, but they still make money. Mullinex Ford yeah. makes money. Okay. There is nothing that says that being open, fair, and honest, transparent. There's nothing that says that you can't do that and not make money. If you can explain to your customers what it is you're trying to do, why it is you're doing it the way you're doing it, to ultimately make it easier for everybody involved, and yes, that requires that we as a dealership need to make a profit in order to be here in case you ever have an issue, people don't have a problem with that. 
what people have a problem with is the lying, the cheating, the hiding, the putting your hands over over the price. So that's what people have a problem with. So I, I yes, I can can a Mazda dealer do what our Mazda dealer did and take short deals? Yeah, they can, and and still make a little bit of a profit. Not a lot of bit of a profit, but a little bit of a profit. They can. They prove they can, and. And that doesn't mean every deal has to be a short deal, but but the cars rules from the FTC just means that every deal has to be a transparent deal. That's all that you're sharing everything. That you're 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 not just advertising a price and then when the customer comes in, they can't buy it at that price. Look at what was in the Instagram DMs for us. Uh, we are my car edge over on Instagram. Hello, sir. I've been following your posts for a few months now. I love how you and your father give out all this great info. Recently bought a uh, his wife a new 2023 Chevy Tahoe, yada, yada, yada. Uh, ended up dead. Yes. There was also some questions on a debt cancellation fee they charged me. I emailed them. No one got back to me. Can you look at all this? And then the trade-in value, they offered $31,500. They owed $21,000 on it. But then when they went to do the deal, the offer was actually $17,000. So they met in the middle at $24,000. This gentleman um, actually ended up sending in, and there were photos and everything. They're on my phone, not on the on the Instagram yeah. app or on the Instagram website. Dad, he ended up buying, um, there was a $900 debt cancellation fee. I've never seen that before. There was Icon for $589. There was a vehicle service contract for $3,000, and there was a maintenance plan for $2,000. It ended up being $6,000 in extra stuff. And after he got home a week later watching our videos, he then contacts the dealership to be like, hey, can you help me understand these numbers? And no one gets back to him. That's the type of stuff yes. that the FTC rules are supposed to protect, which I do think, Dad, would force dealers, their, their like per unit PL, their per unit economics would look a lot more like this because more informed customers would say, you know what, I'm good. I don't really want to pay, you know, 100% or 200% markup on your extended warranty. I'll go get it from somewhere else. Like, and that's yeah. a good thing. Optionality yeah. for the consumer is a good thing. I, I, I'm not saying that, that it might not impact dealership profitability it could but it would be minimal you can people say yes to a price when the value of what it is you're selling exceeds the price that you're asking so guess what you have to do as a dealer you have to build the value in what it is that you're selling and and that doesn't mean that if there's FTC rules and regulations that you can't build the value of why it would be important for a customer to do business with you as opposed to your competitor. And I mean, we see it every day, not just in the car business, but in every business, you know, there are you can buy appliances, home appliances, and you can find them cheaper at some places than others. But people still buy from those that aren't necessarily as cheap. 
Why? Maybe they provide better service. Maybe they provide free installation. I, you know, maybe if you're a dealership, you know, the difference between you and your competitor is you provide free service loaners when you bring your vehicle in for service. I mean, there are things that differentiate dealerships and, and the, the cars regulations doesn't prevent a dealer from differentiating himself from his competitor. Um, so even with that transparency, it doesn't mean that the profit has to go where the profit would go down is for the scoundrels out there that, that hide the fact that they've added these things. That's where the profit goes down. Let's look at this real quick, dad, uh, what the incoming, National Automobile Dealers Association chairman. And I think this is, I chose today's title on purpose because the NADA uh, conference starts today or tomorrow. And my dad and I are intentionally not there. We've been invited to myriad parties at Las Vegas hotels and all sorts of, you should come schmooze. And I, I per- I'll let my dad speak. I personally have no interest in doing any of that. I'd rather build stuff. Maybe someday we'll, we'll schmooze with folks, but I have absolutely no interest. I want to build. We are too, too, well, there's too much to work on. And, and look at these comments, Dad. I'll give you a chance to respond to that yes. in a second. What are the top issues facing auto retailers this year? Again, from the incoming NADA chairman, one for sure is going to be the FTC with the ruling. NADA is challenging the FTC in court to stop the ruling because it, quite frankly, is going to cost a mass amount of time, complexity, paperwork, and costs to the car buyers, our customers. The FTC vehicle shopper rule is really summed up in one way. It's terrible for the consumer. I think we're one of the biggest voices for consumer advocacy in the auto industry, and we disagree. <laughs> we, we, yeah, and the FTC disagrees. And and the reason it, it's not terrible for the consumer is because it takes and, and gives some power to the consumers. Now, may, may I say that there Please. are still enough consumers out there that even if the car's rules were in effect, there are enough consumers out there that just won't pay any attention to what it is that the dealership is presenting them. And that's on the consumer. That's not on the dealer. Um, and, and the only other thing I want to say is maybe, maybe at some point we need to go to NADA, not to schmooze, but to, to try and convince holdout dealers that it is in their best interests to change, to embrace that change, to fi- finally understand why it is better to do business that way in, as opposed to the way they've been doing it. And that's why, at some future point, we need to be there. Yeah, okay? Give it another year or two. I will say, everyone, uh, I mean, I don't know how to be more transparent. Like, imagine we actually ran a dealership, which is kind of what we do at this point. Here's our, here's the profit numbers. Like, yeah. I don't know how to be more transparent than literally on YouTube pulling this up, sharing with everyone. Like that, I don't know if you're going to get that anywhere else. And that's what I want to bring nationwide. I mean, that was 11 Mazda deals last, uh, that was in December. And I'm really proud of the team this month, that in January, I think we're going to end up doing 16 or 17. We got to do 50 in February. 
that's why it was important that we brought on Hyundai recently. We got to expand into more parts of the country. We got to get more organized, all that fun stuff. But like, we got to take this nationwide. We got to show people it works. And then we show up at these big industry things. We say, hey, there's a different way of doing business. It doesn't even, if if we do this right, you don't need the federal government to step in and create new regulations. Because I also think there's an argument to be made that the, the federal government getting more involved is not the answer. There, there, there is some truth to what I think the incoming chairman of uh, the NADA said in there with red tape and, and paperwork. That being said, I think it's also, in this case, very, very, very warranted based on all the things that have uh, uh, been going on for, for a century plus. Can we turn our attention to another few comments that were in that interview that I think were interesting? Yes. What do you expect inventory levels to look like going forward? How are they today versus a year ago? Not just us saying this stuff, not just the data saying this stuff. Incoming chair of NADA, inventories are up nationwide, so it's all going to be predicated on incentives. I think over the past year, the OEMs are spending more or they're going to be spending more on incentives. Let's hope that they continue to make the vehicles affordable so we can keep the merchandise moving is vehicle affordability becoming a concern what are you hearing from your dealers for myself as a buick gmc and chevy dealer the new tracks and the new invista in the buick lineup the price point is around 23 or twenty four they they've been awesome the tracks and invista are gas and we can't keep those in stock and so it's affordability that people are looking for and if your early adopters and evs have been your luxury brands we need mass uh, the mass production to bring that cost down some really interesting comments here dad around inventory levels and affordability and I have to give some credit to uh, uh, to the incoming chair of NADA talking about the Chevy Trax. That is one of the vehicles that you can get back on CarEdge.com with the discounted pricing delivered to your door. If you're east of the Mississippi River, we cover all the shipping. If you're west, you got to pay for half of it. But what do you make, Dad, of these comments around inventory and affordability? Well, you, you know, we we've been we've been screaming about affordability for I don't know two years now, um, and. You know, some of the commenters uh, that I've read, they they really hit the nail on the head. And that is, look at the profits GM made. There's no reason for them to concentrate on uh, the affordability issue because there doesn't seem to be any issue for them to be able to unload all the high-priced, high-profit margin vehicles that they've been unloading onto their dealer body. So in until until sales of those vehicles decline dramatically, there's no reason for the manufacturers to significantly increase the production of their lower profit margin, lower priced entry level vehicles. So, yes, I, I agree with them. There's an affordability issue. Um, it's. It's not as big an issue um, as we make it out to be. Now, having said that, I will also say that statistically speaking, over the past 40, 50 years, new car, new vehicle sales every year have remained somewhat flat, even stagnant to a degree you can go back 50 years ago and they were selling i don't know about 16 million new cars a year last year they sold i don't know 15.6 million pretty sure the i'm pretty sure the population of the united states was 
considerably less 50 years ago than it is today. Um, so why is it that that new vehicle sales are are basically the same year in and year out? Yeah. And I guess that really indicates that the big market, they don't really care about. They don't need to care about. They can make enough money just catering to that 15, 17, 20% of the population that feels as if they can afford to buy a new car. Um, and the rest of us, well, we can go pound sand. That's, you know, that that's what the used car market's for. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I I personally believe, just my opinion, that there should be uh, lots more affordable cars out there. The manufacturers don't believe it, and apparently the buying public doesn't believe it. Adam's got a good point here, not to mention GM is primarily stocking Z71 trims and, uh, and able to un not able to unload them. It's super hard to find a base model on their lots. We covered this last year. Justin on our team did the, uh, the, the investigation into trimflation, you know, yes. just getting rid of entry-level uh, options for consumers. We're seeing some of that come back a little bit now as vehicles start to sit around, but that ties back into affordable price points and making sure that people can actually actually uh you know uh, afford what they're getting yeah. into we talked about interest rates just yesterday we were talking about the capital one news um doing less auto finance originations and even more delinquency you factor in the fact that in many states the average apr on a used car is north of 12 13 percent and then for a new car it could be anywhere from eight nine ten percent it's very difficult i want to pull up a comment here in the chat i think it's going to spark an interesting conversation from from riduin thank you riduin is profit of a company any concern of the buyer I have a take on this. Do you want to take a moment to to process your thoughts, Dad, or do you want me to go? Um, if you'd like to go first. So I think profit of a company is not the concern of a buyer when the level of profit is not predicated on how informed, capable, um, or educated uh, that customer is. So if I go and I buy a General Mills cereal at the grocery store, I'm paying the same as someone who maybe comes from a different credit spectrum background, different socioeconomic background, different um, education background, all those things. They paid the same for those Cheerios. Great. And those Cheerios have value. When I am in an industry where someone who has different uh, credit spectrum background, different socioeconomic background, look different than I do, uh, talk different than I do, have more or less education than I do, and they get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, that's concern. That's concern to the buyer. And that, that doesn't just happen in auto. But it happens a lot in auto. Mm -hmm. And it's a big, for many people, either the largest or second largest purchase of their lives. And so I think it's a yes and. That's how I interpret this, Dad. Um, is profit of a company any concern about it? Yes. And in a lot of cases, we don't care. And in this case, we do. That's my take. What do you think? Um, a slightly different take. Yeah, um, is, is the profit of, of a company any concern of the buyer? Not really, other than as the buyer, me, I would like to make sure that you are indeed making... Oh, you lost me. And I, as soon as I say dealers should make a profit, you lose me. Um, my internet goes bad. Go figure. Um, 
but but I as a customer, I want to know that the people I'm buying something from are making a profit so that they can be in business in case something happens to the product that I bought from them, and they'll be able to help me take care of that. So from that perspective, yes, I would care that a dealership or a business makes a profit. Is it important to me to know how much that profit is? Absolutely not. Is it important to me that where I go to buy something, the reason I'm going there is not based on deceptive practices? If 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 the whole concept of your business is based on deception, then there is something wrong with how you're running your business. If you have to do you have to deceive customers by advertising fake prices to get them into your dealership or to get them into your appliance store, that I have a problem with. Nobody's business should be based on deception. And that is what we have found in a lot of cases at at automobile dealerships. You know, and and you've heard me say this, dealer principals would be the first one to scream to high heaven if somebody sold them something in a deceptive manner. Yeah, so that all all we're asking for is that we that the deception is done away with that sell the value of the products that you're trying to add let the customer make it an informed decision based on accurate information that's all so i want to just time in it's again it's not just auto like there are plenty of segments of our economy that are predicated on information asymmetry the less the customer knows the more the company, the company, the business can profit. Yes. I think this is my personal belief. Companies that are predicated on that dynamic will go out of business over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. That's my personal objective in life is to take existing <laughs> businesses that are predicated on taking advantage of people, bring efficiency to those businesses. So it no longer makes sense to take advantage of those yes. people. Because telling those people, aka the businesses, that hey, what you're doing is wrong, they're never going to listen to you because you know what talks? Money talks. So you have to like create economic incentive. But like, we got to get rid of that, man. We absolutely got to get rid of that. That's what I'm most um, most passionate about. And, and yeah, someone said, Rob says in the chat, healthcare. Yeah, like this is not just auto specific. No, we no, just get absolutely. to rag. Yeah. We just get to rag on the auto industry all the all the time because that's the company that we're working on right now. We want to help people. We want to we want to make it better. Can we go to our favorite segment of the show, Deb? Um, yes, but let me say one thing before we do that. Uh, what you just articulated is another reason why we need to show up at NADA, um, perhaps next year. I don't know. And, and I, you know, and I'm not saying, gee, I want to go to the NADA show. So, because, you know, that, that, that is a, it's not a smoke free zone. And what I mean by that is. The NADA show is something where you go in and you know from Jump Street there's somebody there that's going to try and blow smoke up your butt, okay? And and so I don't necessarily want to be uh, in an area where there's that much BS going on. Uh, you know, I'd want to make it a smoke-free zone. 
And and so perhaps when we're there, we we can at least make our little corner of, of the world um, where our pledge will be, hey, we won't try to blow smoke up your butt if you don't try to blow smoke up our butt. Now, I just want to I mean, pull this up, Dad. Um, yeah. Get big enough so that NAD knows who we are, guys. Like, we're not, like, we, they know. They know that everyone knows. If we do go next year, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll live stream from there. We'll do our normal stuff. But no, people, the industry knows who we are. I just got on a call the other day with JD Power because we're looking to get some data from them. Yes. And they're like, oh, I watch you and your dad on YouTube. Like, they, they know who we are. Yeah. They know who we are. It's good. We're pushing, we're pushing the industry in the right direction. Can we do it? Yes. Really? You gotta be kidding me. Two months ago, GM yeah. still planning to end gas-powered vehicle sales by 2035. 21 hours ago, GM will bring plug-in hybrids back to North America <laughs> and strategy shift. Yeah, well, you know, that's the wonderful thing about strategy. You know, it it is, may I say, apparently... Apparently, manufacturing is no different than being the coach of a sports team. And what I mean by that is if you can't figure out how to do in-game adjustments for a sports team, well, typically your team's not going to win. And if you're a manufacturer, if you can't figure out how to make in-game adjustments um, to change some of your manufacturing strategies, you're not going to win. So it makes, to me, it makes perfect sense that they're going, uh, think we went too far in one direction. Time to circle the wagons and maybe head back. And that's yep. what they're doing. Bless their yeah, actually, you, this, yeah, we don't, the, the, the condemnation of like, really, you got to be kidding me is yeah. not for the strategy shift. The condemnation is like, do we actually think that by 2035, because just two months ago, that article yeah. on Reuters was updated saying, yes, by 2035, it's going to be all electric vehicles. And then obviously, like they're trying to make money and they're still trying to hit the EPA guidelines and things like that. But like, look, Toyota has proven without a doubt, there's no, no question that yeah. that hybrid is the powertrain of choice for the mass market today. And it's selling off the shelves. Other OEMs, I bet, have similar announcements to this over the coming weeks and months. To me, that's the the really, you got to be kidding oh, is we, it, it's like anything in life, man. We all, we all kind of oscillate too far on the extremes and like we're, we're, we're moderating right now. We're coming back to the middle. We're making, we're making some in-game adjustments. In -game okay. Adjustments. We, were, we were, you know, they let me general motors was the San Francisco 49ers in the first half. Okay. They were getting their asses handed to them. They made some in-game adjustments at halftime. What happened? They came back. The 49ers came back and they won the game because they made some in-game adjustments. And, and maybe because the Detroit coach is, uh, um, is afraid of field goals. But, but having said that, but, but the point is that you have to make these in-game adjustments because if you don't, that means you're just stuck where you're at. and. And you can't afford to be stuck where you're at. If 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 you can't figure out how to adapt and change, you're dead. You're you're just dead, whether it be in sports or business. So, yeah, they made an in-game adjustment at halftime, and they said, "We need hybrids, damn it!" And they yeah. do, and, and that'll and, help and them get to where they want to go. 
I think you're spot on. I like that comment. Doesn't matter if it's sports, business. I actually think it's even in like this is going to sound a little, little, whatever. But like personal development, right? Like as as individuals, we have a we have a choice of do we want to continue to grow or do we want to? And and if you choose not to grow, it's really like you're going to get passed by. It's 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 kind of it's a cool mental model, Dad. This idea of so maybe you should go for a walk today, Dad. How about that? Um, well, I, yeah, I was planning on walking over to CVS. I have some prescriptions to pick up. Yes. No, I, 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 I get, you know, yeah, you get my I, point. You get I my got point. Your point, buddy. And, you know, I, I want, I want you alive for a long time. Um, uh, anyway. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want to be alive for a while. I want to do this. I want to do this nonsense for a very long time. Um, because, there is you you uh, accrue maybe acquire i don't know what the exact word is you i guess you acquire wisdom with age through experience and then and then as you're in the latter part of your existence it's like you want to share that wisdom with people younger than you so that perhaps they can find their wisdom earlier in life they can and and so at an earlier age they can start the sharing process with people younger than them you know as a parent your, your mother and i we used to always try to share things with you and your sister mm-hmm. knowing full well at the ages you were it's like well whatever your mother and i said was wrong and <laughs> going to be wrong and then at a certain point you and your sister got older and it was like suddenly some of these things resonated with you. Like, mm-hmm. well, maybe they weren't as stupid as I thought they were, you know, maybe, maybe there was really some value into what it is that they were trying to share with us. And so that type of wisdom comes with age through learning. And, and so, yeah, I want to be here and I want to try and pass on as much of that as I can to the younger generation so that, you can get it sooner rather than later. Absolutely love that, Pops. Really, really do. And justice is spun on 28 more years. Just do it till you're 100, and then you can retire, okay? Again? I can retire again? Oh, my goodness. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to put this up, pull this up from Jamie here. I used Car Edge to get peace of mind on my pricing. I actually beat their expected deal by over $1,300. Got a 2019 ES, Lexus ES300H, out the door for $30,400. Thank you, Zach and Rain. Of course, the rest of the team. Huge shout out to the team Thank behind you. the scenes. Speaking yes. of the team behind the scenes, caredge.com slash careers. Iron for inside sales reps. If you go to caredge.com, go up here to about, and then click on careers right here. Today's the last day of the month, folks. We have end-of-month promotions that end today, both on the Chevy tracks as well as on some of those Mazda vehicles, Ford vehicles. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of promotions ending as well as on protection plans. So if you are in the market thinking about getting an extended warranty or a vehicle service contract for your vehicle, please get a free quote from us. I want to show everyone how easy it is. There is no... You put in, what do you want to do, 2023... Uh, let's do a Toyota because everyone likes Toyota. And yeah. Let's do a Corolla. How many, ve- how many miles are currently on the vehicle? We'll say none. We'll do Alaska. Sure. As you all can see, nowhere in here has it asked me for my personal information. Um, you can actually just see what it would cost. Play with the deductible. 
Business use? Sure, check that box. You want a lift kit on that Toyota Corolla? Go for it. Whoa! Yeah, I want one of them. I want a lift kit on my shoes. There's $100 off right now off the price you see on the screen, and the reason I'm showing it is use it as a negotiating tool, or if you're researching a vehicle that you're thinking about purchasing, use it as a research tool. Toyota Corolla looks like it's pretty cheap because there's actuaries behind the scenes that set these prices. Pretty cheap to own for 10 years, 120 a hundred thousand miles. Let's do another one, Dad. Maybe instead of a Toyota Corolla, do like a Kia. Yeah. Well, let's not do a Kia. Let's do a BMW. Let's really show the yeah. difference between these. Do so you want to do a two series? We'll just do the three series. Okay. So there you go, folks. Use it as a research <laughs> tool. Pretty sure this is telling you that it costs more to own a BMW than it does to own a Toyota. And again. I didn't enter any personal information there. So it's like, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. We don't require you to give us any information like all those other websites do. All right, we good? We good? We doing this again tomorrow? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's Thursday. Thursday. Oh, we're going. I'm super excited. I'm wearing my son's gear. Whoops. Yes, yes. We're going to see the Phoenix Suns on Sunday, I think. Yes, um, we are. You're yes. in Washington, D.C. If you live in Washington, D.C. and you're also going to the game and you see us, say hi. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Can't wait. Or if you know anyone with the Washington Wizards or Phoenix Suns organization or Capital One that can like hook us up, my dad. Yeah, get my dad like to shoot a free throw before the game or something. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> torn rotator cuff. He'd still feel torn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm gonna wear. I'll I'll wear one of my Phoenix Suns tops to the game. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's gonna be cool. And man. and and uh, you know maybe we'll get to say hi to uh, Tom. Uh, uh, to to K Ray, yeah, um, Kevin and, and and uh, Ann Myers Drysdale, um, yeah, you know, before the game, um, or hell, even even walk up to him during the game. But yeah, yes, we will cool. we I'm will be there. Too. We will be there as, as Sunday, and uh, looking forward to it. Cool. All right. Well, we'll be back tomorrow at 12 p.m. Eastern time and 9 a.m. Pacific. Thank you, everyone who makes this part of their daily routine. I love you, Dad, and uh, I look forward to oh. From Taker Carriage Field next Washington Commander Stadium. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of doubt that. Josh Harris will build his own damn stadium and, and uh, you know, he'll name it Monument Sports or whatever the hell he wants to call it. You know, yeah. See you guys tomorrow. Love you, pops. Love you too, handsome. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll see you tomorrow.